mutinyradio.fm to find out more details. And check us out at mutinyradio.fm. Dodgers mess it up again. Believe it. It's the curse of Chavez Ravine. This labor and love radio. Ry Cooter.
Bowery Blues. Cooper Union Cafeteria. Late cold March afternoon. The street, 3rd Avenue, is cobbled, cold, desolate with trolley tracks. Some guy on the corner is waving his hand down, knowing somebody emphatically. And out of sight behind a black and white pillar, cold clowns in the moment horror of the world. Puerto Rican kid with a green stick stooping to bat the sidewalk but changing his mind and halting on. Two new small trucks parked. The withery gray rose stone building across the street with its rhyme heights in the quiet winter sky. Inside are quiet workers by neon and tablatures practicing fanning lessons with the murderous marble. A yakking blonde with awful wide smile is macking her mouth lip talk to an old bodhisattva papa on the sidewalk. The tense quickness of her hard working words. Meanwhile, a funny bum with no sense tries to panhandle them and is waved away stumbling. He doesn't care about society, women embarrassed with paper bags on sidewalks. Unutterably sad, the broken winter shattered face of a man passing in the bleak ripple, followed by a Russian boxer with an expression of Baltic lostness. 
something grim and Slavic and so helplessly beyond my conditional ken or ability to evaluate and believe that I shudder as at the touch of cold stone to think of them. The sickened old awfulness of it, like slats of wood wall in an old brewery truck. For I prophesy that the night will be bright with the gold of old in the inn within. Shin McIntario with no money, no bets, no health, hauls on by pawing his inside coat, no hope of ever seeing Miami again since he lost his pickles on Orchard Street and his father stutel fettered him to hospitals of gray bleak bone drying in the moon that mortifies his coat and words sing what mind brings. Bleeding bloody seamen of Indian England battering in coats of Third Avenue with no sense and their brows streaked with wine sop. Blood of obligate sad adventurers far from the pipe of Liverpool, the bean of bone, bottle lithy brown, far hung unseen top tippers of ocean wave. God bless and sing for them as I cannot. Cooper Union Blues, the Muzak is too sod. The gaiety of grave candidates makes my gut weep and my brains are awash down the side of the blue-orange table. As little sneery, snurfling Puerto Rican hero bats by booming his coat pocket, fisting to the vicinity where mortuary waits for bait. What kind of service do broken garrels give? Oh, have pity, bodhisattva of intellectual radiance. Save the world from her eyebrows of beautiful illusion. Hope, oh hope, oh nope, oh pope.
And don't know how to treat him When he takes you on the town They say you ain't behind him And just don't understand And think that you're a woman But acting like a man Good morning, mutineers. Welcome to Labor and Love Radio, where every Saturday morning we chop it up for you. Labor news, labor opinion, labor commentary, labor history. And we tell you like it is. That is. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, you're on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. And a great good morning to you. Um, This is the Labor and Love Show, and uh, we've got a good good show planned for you today. So you're not just not that into politics. You know, you always always run into people who will tell you that, who will say, oh, you know, I know you want to talk about this stuff and everything, but I'm just not that into politics, you know. So you're just not that into politics. Your boss is. Your landlord is. Your insurance company is. 
And every day they use their political power to keep your pay low, raise your rent, and deny you coverage. It's time to get into politics, wouldn't you say? And the best way, the way to start getting into politics, if you're not sure how to do it, is to vote. Vote. Vote for things that will enhance our society. Vote for things that will keep the poor and broken warm and fed. Vote for things that do God's work. And the Muslim saying is the work of God is done by the hands of the generous. Here's another one. Here's another credo that we might call. The one is, yeah, so you're just not that into politics. Can I tell you a secret? I don't even care if there are undocumented immigrants in this country. Without social security numbers, they aren't privy to the welfare people claim they get. The vast majority of them are normal people trying to live a better life. Hello? Hello, President Trump. Hello? Hello, Commander-in-Chief. You're going to fight a war against a bunch of women and children and men who are looking for asylum? The whole wall, deport the liberals' bullshit is just the 1% convincing the working poor to blame a subset of the working poor for the fact they're all poor. Instead of realizing the reason they're all poor is due to the vast income inequality and resource price inflation in combination with wage stagnation. In other words, the rich are getting the money. The money's going to the rich. And, and they're getting richer and richer and richer and richer. And a lot of people are getting poorer and poorer and poorer because the money is going somewhere else. Please use your brains. The existence of another poor person is not why you're poor. It's because the people who control everything refuse to increase your wages. Hello? I know you're out there. I know you're thinking about this stuff. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. It's that simple. Okay, uh... End of talk, end of the first talk anyway. This is Labor and Love Radio, and we started you out today with third base, Dodger Stadium. The Dodgers eat it again. An excellent team, a good manager, a front office that's willing to spend money to make things happen. But they're under a curse, and that curse is the curse of Chavez Ravine. If you're a fan of the show, you probably heard us refer to this before. 
Dodger Stadium is built on land that was stolen from the people who, who lived there. Two little communities up in the hills in L.A. that were uh, in the crosshairs of what's called progress. Progress, throwing people out of their homes. 1958, the Dodgers owner, Walter, Walter O'Malley, agreed to bring his team to the West Coast from Brooklyn. But he wanted a stadium, a new stadium for them to play in. And the city of L.A. agreed because they had just taken away land from two communities. Vibrant little towns, little, little not villages, but little towns with schools and stores and young people and... Uh, Churches, Chavez Ravine, they were called. The city of Los Angeles went in and said, these buildings are falling down. We want to build you new housing right here. You're going to have to move out for a little while right here. You're going to have a new beautiful place. So the people moved or agreed to move. Some most did anyway. And the project never happened. The people who wanted to follow through with the project to build affordable housing for this community were red baited. Los Angeles wanted the land for something else. They had bigger fish to fry. So they vilified Congressman John Tenney, I believe, L.A. Councilman, vilified the people who wanted to build affordable housing and called it socialistic. Eventually got control of the land. There were scenes of people being thrown out of their homes, dragged out by police. And the city of Los Angeles got this piece of land and built Chavez Ravine Stadium on the site. That's why the Dodgers lost. Third base Dodger Stadium by Ry Cooter, part of a larger album called Chavez Ravine. You should check it out. Second, we had Jack Kerouac with the Bowery Blues. We've been playing some cuts from an album called Poetry for the Beat Generation <clears throat> with Kerouac and uh, Steve Allen playing in the background. We've had October in the Railroad Earth. We've had one called I Used to Have a Slouch Hat. This one was called The Bowery Blues. And then we had The Queen... Nina Simone singing the, the down-home blues. You can't get much better than that. Blues for Mama by Nina Simone. Welcome to the Labor and Love Show, everybody. We're here live every Saturday morning from 10 to 12. And uh, we're immortal on our website. At least our mortality is stretched out a little. 
on our uh, Labor and Love Radio website. You can catch up with our broadcast there or iTunes or simply mutinyradio.fm slash podcasts. All right, I want to play pay special special uh, attention. How do we say? I want to make sure. I want to make sure and honor a great American musician. Born in 1926 in St. Louis, Missouri. And his name was Chuck Berry. Thank you. 
Okay, the great Chuck Berry there. Berry was born in 1926 on October 18th, hence we're celebrating his October birthday. Um, he was sent to a reformatory in 1944 for three years. When he got out, he got married and became a Worked in an automobile assembly plant, 1953. Influenced a lot by T-Bone Walker. Barry recorded uh, the first song we played for you, Maybelline. Maybelline was a big hit for Barry. And then on that first album, he had the instrumental Deep Feeling. Soon came out with Johnny Be Good. The last one we played for you. And a particular favorite of mine, which we'll hear later, Roll Over Beethoven. Um, worked with a bluesman named Johnny Johnson. Um, just to make some extra money, right? And took guitar lessons. And... 1955, he went to Chicago where he met Muddy Waters, who suggested that he contact Leonard Chess. And uh, recorded several songs that, that made him very famous. His song, Roll Over Beethoven, reached number 29 on Billboard's Top 100 Charts. He and Carl Perkins became friends. Perkins said, I knew when I first heard Chuck that he'd been affected by country music. I re respected his writing. His records were very, very great. He told me how he was raised poor, very tough. He had a hard life. He was a good guy. I really liked him. Recorded songs like School Days, Rock and Roll Music, Sweet Little Sixteen, all big hits. Then he was busted on what a lot of people said was a BS charge of under the Mann Act. He, he, the Mann Act was written to, to indict Jack Johnson, the black heavyweight champion of the world in the early 1900s. And uh, Johnson was notorious for having white girlfriends. And uh, a, a law was written called the Mann Act, and Johnson was convicted of it posthumous after it was passed, ex post facto, of uh, transporting a white woman across state lines for immoral purposes. They were looking for a place where they could get together and be together. And uh, Barry was convicted under uh, under this act. Uh, he was convicted. He was arrested under the Mann Act after allegations that he'd had sexual intercourse with a 14-year-old Apache waitress whom he had transported across state lines to work as a hat check girl at his club. He was convicted, fined $500, and sentenced to five years in prison. 
He appealed the decision, arguing that the judge's comments and attitude were racist and prejudiced the jury against him, resulting in another trial, this time a three-year sentence. He did serve a year and a half in prison from February 1962 and continued recording through his trial. When he came out, he he had several big hits, um, No Particular Place to Go, Nadine, You Never Can Tell, Barry was released, his return to recording was made easier because British invasion bands, notably the Beatles and Rolling Stones, had sustained interest in his music by releasing cover versions of his songs. The Beach Boys, Sweet Little Six, uh, Surfin' USA, there was a lawsuit about that. Barry died in... 2017, last, uh, not last March, but the March before that, March 18th, 2017. Play a little bit more of his songs and then we'll get on to the labor stuff. Chuck Berry was a giant. When I think of you In the wee wee hours That's when I think of you You say but yet I wonder if your love was ever true In a wee little room I sit alone and think of you In a wee little room I sit alone and think of you I wonder if you still remember All the things we used to do Memory 
one little song for a fading memory. Of the one I really love The only one for me
mother told her, darling, go out and find yourself a brown-eyed, handsome man. Just like your daddy, he's a brown-eyed, handsome man. Marlowe Venus was a beautiful lass. She had the world in the palm of her hand. She lost both her arms in a wrestling match to meet a brown-eyed, handsome man. She fought and won herself a brown-eyed, handsome man. Two, three, the count, with nobody on, he hit a high fly into the stand. Round the third, he was headed for home. It was a brown-eyed, handsome man that won the game. It was a brown-eyed, handsome man. Okay, Chuck Berry with three more of his hits. Brown-Eyed Handsome Man. Before that, Nadine from the early 60s. And The Wee Wee Hours. That's when I think of you. Chuck Berry, an American original. Blues becoming rock and roll. Always a contentious man. And certainly sometimes at least a victim of his own anger, upset with his treatment. Take a little break here and come back with some labor and love. Let's take a look at the strike. Strike with encompasses thousands of hotel workers from sea to sea. 7,000 hotel workers. This is on the Labor Notes website. The world's largest hotel chain. A strike that started with seven hotels in Boston quickly spread to San Francisco, San Diego, San Jose, Oakland, Detroit, and Hawaii. Marriott's profits have doubled in five years. In 2016, the hotel chain expanded its empire when it acquired Starwood's 1,200 properties, including the Weston and Sheridan hotel chains. <clears throat> Sales last year totaled $23 billion. Yet workers say they haven't seen it in their paychecks or benefits. Many are working two jobs to make ends meet. Rising housing costs have also forced many to live far away from the cities they work in. Unite Here locals in different regions are negotiating separately, but rallying around a common slogan. One job should be enough. Here, here. One job should be enough. While local issues separate workers in different cities, the strikers have three core sets of demands. Job security, an end to unsafe overwork, and better wages and benefits. 
Courtney Leonard, a server at the Western Western Boston waterfront, commutes 100 miles a day round trip from New Bedford. She's originally from Boston, but can't afford to live in the city. An ongoing problem for the high and the mighty, the rich and the famous, the people who are legends in their own minds. Where are the workers going to live? You priced housing out of the reach of middle-class people and working-class people. Where are they going to live? Good question, huh? Maybe they should have gated communities. Okay, so let's keep our eye on this. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors... San Francisco Board of Supervisors agreed to um, look into the matter, right? But the hotel chain said no. They don't want the supervisors to to negotiate. They don't want to negotiate with them through the supervisors. So, it's basically at an impasse. We'll see what the Board of Supervisors does. Support Marriott workers. This is their fourth week of their strike. Get out there. Give them some of your Halloween candy. Okay, let's see now. We were about the pissed off voters guide. This is the official... uh, (laughs) Let's see. We'll have to find it. And we'll look at... uh, the um, pissed off voters are kind of uh, the working class. These are people who have a working class approach, a working class point of view, and they tell in plain language what they think people, how they think people should vote. So they don't, for example, they don't endorse anyone for governor. Why not Gavin Newsom? There's an article about that. Sadly, many of us just can't support him after watching his style above substance politics, opportunistic grandstanding, shady and scuzzy tenure as mayor. He cynically propped up Republican John Cox in the primary because he'll have an easier time beating him than another Democrat. So they don't... They don't have an endorsement for Lieutenant Governor Ed Hernandez. Um, they were pulling for Gail McLaughlin, former mayor of Richmond, California, who led the revolt against uh, Chevron. And um, Alex Padilla for Secretary of State. 
Controller Betty Yee. State Treasurer Fiona Ma. Okay. Attorney General. Javier Becerra. Served 12 terms in Congress before Jerry Brown appointed him to replace Kamala Harris when she won her Senate seat. First Latino Attorney General widely seen as leading the California resistance to the Trump regime. Uh, Ricardo Lara for Insurance Commissioner against Steve Poisoner. Ran for governor, Poisoner ran for governor in 2010, but was defeated in the primary by Meg Whitman. He's one of two Republicans to win statewide office in the last few decades. The other was Schwarzenegger. Poisoner actually got more votes in the primary. He's still talking about and protecting the insurance company's interest framed as protecting consumers. Lara, yikes, vote Ricardo Lara for insurance commissioner. U.S. Senator there for Kevin DeLeon against Dianne Feinstein. We needn't go into that much. Um, Feinstein, what can we say? She came out of the real estate business long time ago, Diane Goldberg came out of the real estate business. She's married to a billionaire banker who's big war profiteer. Uh, they say Kevin DeLeon. 12th District, they... They don't want to, they want, they think it's time for Pelosi to leave. Jackie Spear in the 14th, that's my district. And Spear is kind of a moderate kind of leftist. Um, you remember she was in the plane with Congressman, I can't remember his name, Leo something, uh, when he was shot in Jonestown. Jackie was there and evidently got wounded. Uh, judges, they do judges. You should look up the judges part. State Senate Superintendent of Public Instruction, Tony Thurman. Now, this is an important one. Marshall Tuck is a Wall Street Democrat who has spearheaded the movement in Los Angeles. He ran the charter school company that Mayor Villaraigosa allowed to take control of L.A. schools in 2008. And the charter schools in hand put money into Villaraigosa's gubernatorial bid. When Tuck ran against current uh, state superintendent of public instruction, Tom Torlakson, it ended up being the most expensive state race that year. Charter schools are big business. Meanwhile, Tony Thurman is busy in Sacramento proposing to tax private prisons to pay for early education and after-school programs. 
He expanded access to college for foster use. His recent assembly bill would have funded annual training sessions for educators on how to support LGBTQ students in grade 7 to 12. Jerry Brown vetoed it. CTA, California Teachers Association, battled with Tuck when he was given reign of LA's schools. And they're working hard to make sure he and his corporate charter allies, the Betsy DeVosses, don't gain more statewide power. We'll take the public servant from Richmond, thanks. Tony Thurman for state superintendent. Now, Tuck, in order to sort of muddy the waters, um, sells himself as a Democrat and says he's um, endorsed by President Obama's um, education guy, um, <clears throat> Arnie Duncan. Which is true. Duncan is a big charter guy, too. So don't be misled. The California Democratic official endorsement is for Tony Thurmond. Uh, they've got Board of Education, Allison Collins, Gabriela Lopez, and Fauga Moliga. Okay, these are all public school advocates. How about the state propositions? This is where the rubber meets the road. Prop 1 would authorize $4 billion in general obligation bonds for affordable houses, housing programs. Okay, it doesn't solve the crisis, but it's a step in the right direction. Yes to Prop 1 now. Number two, previous money to be used for homeless housing. This is bond money that was ticketed for other things. And it's asking to use that money for homeless housing. Yes. Water bond for water problems. Majority of our members voted to support it because of concerns for crumbling dams. $8.77 billion in general obligation bonds for various infrastructure projects. So they vote yes, but... Not completely forward, forward, for it. Prop 5, expand Prop 13 for property owners. It removes the number of restrictions that allow homeowners to transfer their property tax base to a replacement residence of greater value without increasing their property tax. Schools and local governments would lose over $100 million in annual property taxes, growing to about a billion a year. Anyway, hell no. Prop 5 throws these rules out the window. If you buy a less expensive home, it reduces your tax rate.
And this strips the rules that say you can do this only once. Hell no. Six. This repeals a 12 cent per gallon gas tax created in 2017 to fund road and transit maintenance and rehabilitation projects. Is Prop 6 just a cynical ploy to help Republicans win close congressional contests this election? Maybe. It's anti-tax. Paul Ryan and Steve Scalise, House Republicans, have contributed to it. They don't care at all about California's taxes, but would like to keep Republican control of Congress. Seriously, if you like roads and transit, you got to pay for this shit. Vote hell no on Prop 6. Eliminate daylight savings time. Check it out yourself. Um, Our membership displayed a ton of opposition to the annual practice of setting the clock forward in spring and back in fall. Every state in the U.S. observes daylight savings time except Hawaii, Arizona, minus the Navajo Nation, and a few under other U.S. possessions. Prop 7 freezes in place, securing the best dawn and dusk times year-round. Daylight saving time lasts for a total of 34 weeks every year. Teachers hella hate DST for impacts on students. Voting yes on Prop 7 is the first step towards eliminating this outdated practice. Yes on 7. 8 is the dialysis one, where you have these uh, patients pleading with you to vote no on 8 because their dialysis centers would close. Why would they close? Because they're not charging enough money. They need to charge more money. The two dominant for-profit dialysis firms, Denver-based Davita and German-owned Freshnius, report pre-tax operating profits in the billions and margins of 18 to 19%. In other words, they don't want to be told that there's a limit on what they can charge for your dialysis. They say that voting no will lower medical costs, but on the face of it, this one is designed to lower medical costs. How many dialysis centers are going to close? Probably not any. Okay, Prop 10, hell yes. A law that severely constricts cities' ability to expand or modernize rent control. Prop 10 doesn't directly expand rent control, but it gives individual cities and counties the ability to do so. Okay. 11. Require private ambulances to remain on call during work breaks? No. Ambulance drivers already do this. 
was put on the ballot by a private ambulance company, American Medical Response. The people who worked for them in San Diego filed a class action lawsuit charging the company for missed meals and uncompensated interrupted breaks. Okay, so automo- ambulance people work through their breaks. All they want is to get paid for it. The Augustus decision stated that employers must relieve their employees of all work-related duties and employer control during rest periods. So now they're saying that leads to safety issues. Well, the EMPs, the people who work on the ambulances, are already working through their breaks. If Prop 11 passes the stipulation that paramedics and EMTs are exempt from state law meal requirements, gets grandfathered in. No on Prop 11. It's whack for ambulance companies to spend millions on this ballot measure to bypass workers and state law. And finally, Prop 12 about the confinement of farm animals. It increases the amount of space slightly for hens from 116 inches to 144, one square foot, and slowly phases in a set of guidelines requiring egg-laying hens to be kept in a cage-free environment. And it slowly phases in what are basically cage-free environments for breeding pigs and veal calves. Prop 12, of course, the companies are screaming, probably raise the cost of meat and eggs, but kicks in slowly to give consumers and farmers a chance to adjust. PETA opposes this for some weird reason, but Humane Society is supporting. Overall, while we're hesitant to increase food costs, better conditions for animals also leads to healthier food. A leaguer mailed PETA to ask why they oppose Prop 12. PETA works to end the, the use of animals for food and encourages everyone to go vegan. But in addition to that, we pushed for and supported incremental changes to lessen farm animals' suffering. We see Prop 12, however, as a dangerous step in the wrong direction. While Prop 12 would ultimately abolish cages, it would also allow tens of thousands of hens to be confined to massive sheds with no more than one square foot of space per bird. So that's PETA's look at it. Pissed Off Voter's Guide says to vote for it, uh, recommends a vote for it. Okay. Um, propositions. Prop A, yes, rebuild the seawall. Prop B, privacy worse first policy. Prop C, yes, B, yes, C, yes. Prop D, tax on cannabis 
And on non-SF companies that sell stuff here, yes, goes in effect 2021. Restore the hotel tax allocation for arts and culture. And San Francisco offices. Okay, they say Jeff Adachi for public defender. Okay, that's the pissed off voters guide. Um, look that up yourself. San Francisco League of Pissed Off Voters. They also do something that most sites like this don't do. They talk about judgeships. Um, there are 10 or 11 uh, statewide judgeships that uh, you either wrote yes or no on, and they recommend um, votes for those people, people running for judge. Okay, the pissed-off voter's guide. How about pay me my money down? money down.
Barbara Streisand has recently cut a record uh, very critical of President Trump. Streisand has a history of doing this. She, she was involved in a recording of Pins and Needles, the uh, union-written uh, musical that played on Broadway, has played on Broadway a couple of times. called What's On My Mind.
That uh, that set ended here with Fruit of Labor. Fruit of Labor is an ensemble of people in North Carolina. Um, 
Their songs and music were born out of the struggle of organizing African-American workers in the Black Belt region of North Carolina and the South. There's a very strong resistance movement now in North Carolina, a state where the guy who uh, runs the Department of Voting, who says who can vote and who can't, and uh, how the votes will be counted, is running for governor. Uh, interesting. Okay. And... Uh, Court cases have recently overturned a couple of his decisions to throw out uh, voters. So, you know, he's... <laughs> uh, it seems to me that that would disqualify you, wouldn't it? No? I don't know. Can I be the one to count the votes as well as one of the ones who's running for office? I suppose uh, seems uh, on the on the face of it, it seems like a gross conflict of interest. And he claims no. Okay, here's world labor. Every week we bring you a World Labor Report on Radio Laborer. And here it comes. What's going on in the world of... This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, November 2nd, 2018. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, Labor asks the UN to help stop the killing of journalists how city worker unions can confront perilous work. The Labor Start report about union events around the world and the Dropkick Murphy singing The Workers song. This is Radio Labor. November 2nd is the International Day to End Impunity for Crimes Against Journalists. Radio Labor's Seamary Ainsborough has a report. The killing of Washington Post journalist Jamal Khashoggi by a Saudi hit squad in Turkey has raised awareness of the dangers faced by journalists all over the world. The killing and harassment of journalists goes on with impunity, without consequences. Since 2012, 600 journalists have been killed doing their jobs. 90% of these killings have gone unpunished. Hundreds more journalists have been beaten, harassed, and threatened. The International Federation of Journalists, the IFJ, is the global union which represents journalists at the world level. It's calling on the United Nations to adopt an international law, called a convention, on the safety of journalists and media professionals. The convention would oblige governments to protect journalists, stop arbitrary arrests, and investigate attacks on journalists. Anthony Belanger is the General Secretary of the IFJ. He spoke to Radio Labour about the regions in the world that are most dangerous for journalists and the need for a United Nations Convention. We live in a world where journalists are increasingly targeted. There is more and more violence, threats and imprisonment of journalists. The, the most complicated region for us remains the Arab world and the Middle East uh, as far as South Asia. Uh, with Pakistan, India, and Afghanistan, of course. Um, the largest prison in the world remains Turkey, of course, with over 
150 journalists in prison. For them, it's terrible, and for their family, of course. We are currently working with the profession, with the journalists in the world, to ensure that the United Nations takes a responsibility for the safety and protection of journalists. We are currently talking with the United Nations members, states, to pass a special convention on safety and protection of journalists at the UN General Assembly. The aim of this, uh, this convention is to create a, a commission of 19 UN experts We will be able to work on the round uh, with the journalists because too many crimes of journalists are still impunished uh, today. And uh, as you know, impunity for journalists, but for everybody, impunity is the gangrene of the profession. And it's for this reason with IFJ, but with all our colleagues from the profession in the world, uh, we are working uh, very hard to to find a good way uh, and to go after to New York to organize this, uh, this international convention. The IFJ is asking organizations to add their name to an online petition for a UN convention. The union's website is at www.ifj.org. Radio Labour's reporters are members of the IFJ through their union Unifor. Many cities around the world are reacting to problems such as underfunding and the effects of climate change by adopting perilous work arrangements for their employees. Perilous work is employment that is insecure, often poorly paid, and lacking in social benefits such as maternity leave or pensions. The Global Union for City Workers is Public Services International. To get a better picture of perilous work and civic employment, I talked to Daria Chebrario. Ms. Chebrario is the PSI's officer for local and regional government. I asked her what city worker unions can do to confront the trend towards more perilous work. Well, certainly our unions need to organize precarious workers in local government as if they were permanent workers in the service uh, so that they fight the natural tendency of creating a two or sometimes even a three-tiered workplace. In some countries until a few years ago, the statutes of uh, some of our unions uh, envisaged that local government and public service work was by nature a mid or a long-term form of employment. This is no longer the case with outsourcing and liberalization, privatization. A lot of public services has seen the introduction of precarious form of employment, of even zero contract hours, of agency workers and long chains of subcontracting depending on the service. So these kind of boundaries no longer serve the purpose of the union and our affiliates realize that. So they've, they've, they've changed their their statutes and they're putting a lot of effort in uh, recruiting all uh, workers employed in public services, be them uh, precarious uh, or permanent. Uh, the other thing is certainly uh, to document, analyze and know and show by evidence of what is happening in terms of precarious employment in uh, local public services, how these affect the quality and service to the communities and at the same time how this becomes uh, a snake which bites its own tail when it comes 
costs to sustainable uh, cities, uh, providing services to make them sustainable and inclusive uh, when it comes to realizing decent work. The other thing is to map public service workplaces to identify what are the tasks which are actually required on a permanent basis and why if in if sometimes they're actually covered by precarious workers, why shouldn't those workers be made permanent? Because uh, that task, that service is required on a, a regular basis. And then, of course, and many of our unions do that already, include capping uh, when it comes to precarious work in their collective bargaining negotiations. This is something that, for instance, our Spanish affiliates have recently succeeded to negotiate uh, a cap to 8% to precarious work in the public employment, in public sector. And of course, our Argentinian affiliates who managed to get a law passed a few years ago that currently only applies to the area of Buenos Aires, but which cap precarious work up to 20%, which is already a, an important achievement for Argentinian municipal workers' unions. And of course, the last but not less important tool that our unions have is the tool of public procurement, using public procurement to link it to decent uh, and quality employment is a, a, can be a very powerful tool when you manage to convince, of course, uh, the public institutions uh, who launch the, the public tender to get on board and uh, embrace that approach. Very last point, our unions together with uh, their social partners at the local level, local uh, business and employers and local authorities can negotiate the so-called decent work pacts at the local level, whereby all the social partners and stakeholders in a specific territory come together to look at what is needed in terms of services, in terms of jobs, in terms of products and services in the private sector. And then they try to build urban and territorial policies that work for all. You can hear an extended version of my interview with Ms. Cibrario on the Radio Labour website. Here with his report about union events around the world is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Derek is traveling in Portugal. Here's a tiny sample of the hundreds of news stories in 31 languages added to our site each day last week. Our top stories section included links to coverage of the huge and growing Marriott Hotel strike in the United States, the call by the International Transport Workers Federation for airlines to stop participating in forced deportations, and the trade union reaction to the Brazilian presidential election. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Public sector workers in Chad ended their five-month-long strike and protest against International Monetary Fund ordered service and compensation cuts when the national government finally agreed to wage talks. Municipal workers in Jordan, who had suspended their strike to allow negotiations to restart, walked out on Wednesday after their latest wage demand was rejected. Transport workers complaining of changes to the laws governing trucking in Bangladesh brought the country's road transport to a halt. The workers, almost all of them women, who provide lunches to school children in government schools across a large part of India started an open-ended strike after a series of warning strikes failed to resolve their wage dispute. University workers were off the job in Ghana, Namibia, and Australia this week. 
wages were the issue in Namibia while the strike at the University of Canberra was over workloads. And Kenya Airways went to court to end the strike just as it prepared for the inauguration of direct flights to the United States. Our top working women's stories included coverage of the Scottish TUC Women's Conference just days after a wildly successful strike by Scottish women workers against the gender pay gap, a global rolling walkout by Google workers protesting the way Google has handled sexual harassment complaints, and the response of the Indian government to calls by unions for action on workplace sexual harassment. The free health and safety newswire we offer in cooperation with Hazards magazine carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the attack on a Kenyan nurse that resulted in a flash strike and the arrest of the union's leadership and the health hazards faced by health department workers in South Africa and the victory they won last week after months of struggle. Currently, Labor Start is running three online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now here are the Dropkick Murphys with The Workers' Song.
and that's it. International labor news you can use. You can find more labor news on our website at www.radiolabor.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Labor. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Radio Labor there. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. Wants to start all over again. Um, all around the world. You're only alone if you don't stand up. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Here, here. Working class history. On this day, no, October 29th. 1940 in France, Iranian dip, Muslim diplomat Abdul Hussein Sadari wrote to the Vichy government officials to try to persuade them that Jews from Central Asia, Kugutis, were not technically Jewish under Nazi race laws. In 1943, as a result of his arguments, the Nazis eventually agreed and exempted them. Sardari began issuing Iranian passports to Jews without the consent of his bosses and helped 2,000, 2,000 of them escape the Nazi regime. On this day, November 2nd, 1889, Mexican revolutionary Amelia Robles Avila was born Assigned female at birth, he later lived as a man and insisted on being treated as such. On occasion, sticking his gun in the face of individuals who misgendered him until they acknowledged him as a male. From an early age, Emilio learned not only to ride, but to tame horses and to handle weapons. He came involved in the revolutionary events and armed struggle in 1911. Melio Robles, for five years, participated in the ranks of the forces of peasant revolutionary Emiliano Zapata under the command of the main revolutionary leaders of the state. He participated in several actions after that in the 20s. In 1970, he became the first person assigned female at birth to be recognized as a male veteran by the government. Lived until the age of 95, Melio Robles. Let's go for one more. On this day, 30 October 1950, popular Russian children's writer Ekaterina Boronia was arrested and charged with being a leader of an anti-Soviet underground anarchist organization. She had worked and act as an active anarchist in the 1920s, later forced to work for the Soviet secret police and was awarded a medal. This did not help her, and she was sentenced to 10 years in prison camp 
and a closed hearing. Okay. Okay, it's about time for us to get going. Uh, Labor and Love, the show where we tell you how it is if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, that is, the negotiating table where you work, you're probably on the menu. And never... But never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Remember, if your vote didn't matter, why are the Republicans trying to take people's votes away? Any idea on that? This is Labor and Love Radio. Hello, Solina. Hello, everybody at 271. Hello, Vita and Yemen. Hope everything's going well with you. Have a good week and good work. And this is the B signing off. Remember, when I say labor, I mean you. Apply now for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2019. Applications open until November 30th for 25 shows in five days. 40 comics chosen March 1st through 5th, 2019 for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's our fourth annual and we hope you apply from whatever part of the nation or international comedy scene you come from. Apply now through November 30th. Go to our website, www.mutinyradio.fm, for more details. Aloha, mutineers. Stolowitz here. 
people ask me, Dave, why do you spend so much time listening to mutinyradio.fm? Well, the answer is simple to me. It's the love I find here. We've got so many great programs here. There's something for everybody, surely. Well, maybe not the Hitler crew, but you know everyone else. Let me tell you about some of my favorite shows here at Mutiny you may not have heard about. Labor and Love with Bill Morgan is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Bill is passionate about labor, jazz, and solidarity, and he tells you how it is. No BS. If somebody gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. I always learn a lot from Labor and Love. It's educational and inspirational. The Common Thread Collective is every Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. with legendary octogenarian hate Ashbury activist Diamond Dave. With help from his friends, Dave talks news, wisdom, progressive activism, and spirituality. There's also open mic time for music, poetry, and stories. Comics gotta hold off till happy hour, though. Oh, and check out Flat Black Plastic with Scott Walker, Saturdays from noon to 2. The title says it all. Classic vinyl albums with no apologies. Great stuff. You can listen in live to these fine programs on mutinyradio.fm or download the podcast at your convenience on Apple iTunes. What a deal. Authentic, real San Francisco love. That's what keeps our ship afloat. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> For all your space chicken sci-fi comedy non-political humor needs, go to timstesseract.com. Read fiction about the future of San Francisco after the water wars of 2121 in Jane 6. Ask a Jedi for important life hacks. Eat flesh with the bare exoskeleton Contessa. And check your horror horoscope on Horoscopia. 
Updated every three parsecs. Timstesseract.com. Timstesseract.com. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for the Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that, uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch My friends out at Mutiny Radio. Jester Gashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Moofy's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastics Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off, for, <laughs> isn't duty this. 
And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer cottage on the mountain ridge with the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. (laughs) How exciting for you, Mutiny Radio listener. There are six new shows here at MutinyRadio.fm. Monday nights at 10 o'clock, it's time for free phone sex. 415-550-0511. Yes, call in for free phone sex. You will be recorded. It is a podcast, but will that phone sex be free? Absolutely. 10 a.m. Mondays, it's time for everyday conversations on race with everyday people. With Simma Lieberman, everyday people talking about race every week different everyday people talking about race on Tuesdays 10 o'clock it's spiritual psychology with Renee McKenna meditate it'll heal ya then at noon stick around Sergio Novoa brings you my limited view talking about all things from his perspective then on Thursdays from 8 to 10 It's time for Beyond Your Comprehension with Clem. Exciting new shows here at Mutiny Radio. Also the IC Podcast. That's the Imprint City Podcast coming soon. MutinyRadio.fm. New shows. You can have one too. Contact director at MutinyRadio.fm to find out more details. Check us out at mutinyradio.fm. 